So we want to tell you that today's date is May 20th, 2023. And our title is Five Principles of Ministry. Now we have a pretty slide for you that will repeat this. But if you notice at the bottom here, it says the priority, power, progress, people, and purpose of ministry. Look, we want to tell you this morning that we are blessed to be reunited with you. And we are excited to share the testimonies of God's grace at work in Romania among our brothers there. Now, at the risk of sounding a little bit like Baptist preachers that are stuck in maybe a little bit of a traditional format, well, we want you guys to know in advance that there are indeed five points that we are going to talk to you about this morning. Now, these five points, you need to know something before we go over them. These five points were conceived in Texas. That's right. But they were birthed in Romania. And they will grow to maturity in Jerusalem. Let's get our next slide. Number one will be the priority of ministry. Number two, we'll go over the power of ministry. Number three, we'll progress to the progress of ministry. Number four, we'll talk about the people of ministry. And number five will be the purpose of ministry. Are you guys seeing where we're tracking with you this morning? This is what we are going to walk through together as we preach. These points will largely come from the book of Acts. Because that's the book that has really been impacting us a lot lately, right? True. We preach from our experiences. When we began the book of Acts, I don't know if all you guys remember this, but we said that our study in that book was going to both inform and revitalize our ministry in our day and time. We are learning to reverse the road that originally went from Jerusalem all the way to the edge of the known world in Rome. We have discovered, listen here, We've discovered a new Antioch. That's right. We've discovered a European Antioch yeah. that is the key to all that the Lord has shown us in previous years. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of you that are excited about the Balkan bow and who understand our global target, you guys are going to be empowered today with the how we bring this about as it is exemplified in the book of Acts. And what we already know as we begin this message is that there's not one of you that is not excited about the Balkan bow and what's going to happen in the Balkans. Yeah. You guys excited about what's going to happen in the Balkans? Look, to make sure that you're tracking with us and we're talking about Antiochs, you need to realize there are more than one Antiochs in the Bible. There's Syrian Antioch. There's Pisidian Antioch. And today, we're talking about a European Antioch. Your Bible students, you remember that what started in Jerusalem reached as far as Antioch, and it became a hub for worldwide missions. You can have many Antiochs in your life. Just think about the Vincents in Indonesia with Joe Jakarta. That for them has become an Antioch that is a hub or a launching pad to send disciples into the nations. To have them trained up to maturity, ready to perform their acts of service. Let's talk about the Brassos in Peru. Arequipa has become an Antioch for them. That is stretched from this Jerusalem 
and has set up as a hub for launching disciples. Actually, all the One Association churches are like Antiochs that have been planted, that their purpose is a, to be a launching pad for disciples. Wow. That's why we teach on discipleship. We engage in discipleship because that is the function of Antioch, to reach out from Jerusalem, from their, their place of sending, set up a hub, and then replicate the process that began in Jerusalem. Amen. We want to say that today... Romania is the Antioch for unlocking the Balkan bow. So while you're thinking about that, as my brother described, our ministries that are around the world, that meet in different locations, and yet we're one big body. Hallelujah. Yeah. For all of us, this house has been like Jerusalem. Yeah. It has followed the progression of Acts where we were trained here. We were made into equals, although we were not when we started. We are literally standing on a stage that was built by other people. And I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean, they constructed it and then invited us up on it. This house has produced many Antiochs that are in different locations around the world, but are doing the same exact thing, raising up equals, men who will become like them and go to the nations. So as we go to our next slide, you're going to see our first point of ministry. This being the priority of ministry. As we jump into this, we're going to start in Acts 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Succinctly, we're getting our beginning of priority of ministry here. You guys know that Luke and Acts are two works on the same subject, written by one author. And again and again, the resounding theme shows through the work that deeds must always come before teachings. Both are required. We must do what Jesus did and then teach what he taught. Guys, you have been able to not just see this, but actually participate in this concept that we're talking to you about. You know that deeds always come before teachings. You guys have learned that. You've learned it in Luke. You've learned it in the book of Acts in our study. That has been totally evidenced here in this body at LCM. We have watched you rise up into deeds and then let your teachings also come after those spirit-filled deeds. Guys, we also want to tell you that there is evidence of deeds before teachings right now happening and exploding in Cluj, Romania. Guys, families are coming alive in the first principle the priority of ministry. What we have seen here at LCM in this version of Jerusalem, we want to tell you will be done again and again and again at many Antiochs to come. We know it can be done because we have seen it done here in this body and God will empower us to do it over and over and over again. Guys, this is the very priority of ministry that is growing inside of us. Praise God for men who have prioritized this in ministry. I got spirit-filled in this church. Come on. And the testimony that drew me to the Lord was actually my brothers. And Justin Treister, shout out in the back. They didn't try to convince me intellectually. They spoke from their experience and said, it happened in my life, and it can happen in yours. And we're with you till the very end to see it happen. Are you guys still in Acts 1? Yes. 
let's keep unpacking this. In verse 2, it says, until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now, we have some visitors in here today. We have some, uh, some families that may not be able to participate in our Acts teachings. You understand that Luke and Acts are written by the same author, correct? Correct. Well, why did he make it two volumes? Well, papyrus scrolls were only 32 feet in length. So he wrote the works of Jesus, 32 feet of papyrus, and then he ran out. So we started a second volume, another 32 feet, and then he did something really spectacular. He began writing about the deeds of the apostles and the body of Christ as the hands and feet of Jesus. Come on. When we talk about the priority of ministry, it is doing what Jesus did and teaching what he taught. That is why the book of Acts was written to show that his church was being established and the church is his hands and feet. Now, as we keep going this morning, you, you know this. You are his church, which means the priority of ministry for you is to do and teach just as Jesus did. So as we move to verse 3, we want you to catch the priority of ministry is clearly to do what Jesus did and teach what he taught. Jesus, the perfect son of God, no flaw in him, entrusted the entire ministry on earth to 12 flawed Jewish men. Some of them that were young, some of them that were older, but men who trusted in him and began to attempt to do what he did and teach what he taught. You're going to find out today that the apostles followed the same pattern. Yeah. They entrusted ministry to other men who were flawed and the kingdom expands. So let's look at verse 3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Look, the expansion of the kingdom of God through the body of Messiah, what the book of Acts is about is his hands and feet on the earth. It's the major subject of Acts. So for our subject today, it is the priority because that's how ministry comes to pass. Men and women who are the body of Christ doing what Jesus would do and teaching what he taught. Now, we want to tell you today that the kingdom of God, it is expanding in Romania. There are families, there are men that understand the priority of ministry, and they have gone to work doing what Jesus does and teaching what he teaches. The kingdom of God cannot be contained when men of God live this way. It is by nature expanding. This happens every time men and women engage in the priority of ministry, doing what Jesus did and teaching what he taught. Now hear this. The kingdom is not about serving a great champion or great champions who fight battles for you. The expansion of the kingdom, what the priority of ministry does is it makes other men like you as equals who will do what Jesus did and teach what he did. Every member of the body of Christ has been given the great gift of participating in the priority of ministry. There is no one that is left out from it. We are all in the priority of ministry together. Let's continue in verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Guys, we can't say this enough. And we know that you are getting a revelation this morning about the priority of ministry. It's always deeds before teachings, but it is both the very deeds of Jesus Christ and the things that Jesus taught in his ministry. These things actually work to facilitate the expansion of the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. We learn that from Acts chapter 11. Peter quotes this passage to explain what happened among people different than himself. When he was at Cornelius' house, one of the most craziest, one of the craziest experiences that he had, sitting in a Gentile's house, he saw the acts and the teachings of Jesus at work, and it worked anywhere that he went in the world. Something you should gather from that is that the priority of ministry knows no boundaries whatsoever. It knows no boundaries between a stage and an audience, and it certainly knows no boundaries between nations. It extends all over the earth. Yeah. So there are Holy Ghost fired up believers already in Romania that want to join with us. And we want to share with you pictures of them, their names, and just a little bit about them. You are going to love them just as much as we do. Now, when we talk about the priority of ministry, the deeds and teachings of Jesus performed on the earth, how could you not think of Niku and Anka? We've known them for years, and this family has abandoned all since their teenage years. This, this type of lifestyle is not new to them. They've been walking in it in a passionate, very faithful way in the face of pretty difficult odds at times. They've sacrificially opened their home to the people of God. Not just yes. to us, but to everyone in Romania that wants what they have. They open up their home and they bring them in to teach them, to feed them, to care for them because they are the hands and feet of Jesus on earth. They've been defiant in the face of worldly pressures to conform. Isn't that really the message of the world? They want you to come in and get comfortable and conform. But when the spirit of God is moving in you and you know what the priority of ministry is to be the hands and feet of Jesus performing his deeds on earth. You don't conform to what other people's opinions are. You don't conform to whatever they tell you to do. You're in subjection and submission to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thanks, when we were talking about the priority of ministry. These are brothers that you just don't know yet. Yeah. They're of the same heart, the same spirit, the same mind. The priority of ministry, doing what Jesus did, teaching what he taught comes above all else for them. You can quite literally throw all that hell has to offer at this couple, and they won't even bend, much less break. By the power of Adonai, in the name of Jesus, we are praying and interceding that you might get to meet them at this One Association yeah, Conference. Amen. 
That's because they are of the same spirit and desire to worship with their family and get to meet all of you. Now, we've talked to you about the priority of ministry. In Acts 8, or Acts 1 through verse 8, also speaks of the power of the ministry. Let me show you our next slide here. This is our second of five points. In this house, we are unashamedly spirit-filled. Yeah. Yeah. We don't hide it. We don't ease into it. We don't try to explain it. We don't pray quietly next to Baptist people to make them feel more comfortable. In fact, it's even in our oaths and articles that we unashamedly advocate for the spiritual yes. gifts. This is because you know that the power of ministry is the Spirit of God, otherwise known as the Holy Spirit, or also the Spirit of Jesus himself. This house is familiar with the power of ministry, and we're growing in it daily. Can I tell you that we can see the power of ministry at work in Romania as well? This is because the Spirit of Jesus knows no boundaries. He's not concerned with what nationality, what language, or ethnic background you're from. His power will work through the man who has his priorities. He puts his spirit in you to fulfill his will. It's not simply for entertainment, but it is to succeed in the priority of ministry, doing what he did, teaching what he taught, beyond your own natural capacity. He enables you to do more. We're going to go to Matthew 28 together. As you go to Matthew 28, it'd be easy to hear what Judah just said and, and to just move straight on past it. The reason why he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit is so that we can accomplish his will on the earth. It's about more, so much more than the entertainment that men have made it in our day and time. Oh, it's so entertaining to see this man operate in the Holy Spirit because he's doing things that other people, it's foreign to other people. No, the Spirit of God inside of you will urge you and empower you to do God's will on the earth. It will cause you to rise up in your strength and courage, and he will also cause you to get doing what God told you to do. He is the power of ministry. And he is the power of ministry to the end of the age in all nations. Matthew 28, 19 says, therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Guys, the priority of ministry was number one, doing what he did and teaching what he taught. This definitely is the means by which the kingdom of God expands on the earth. But this is accomplished in and through the power of ministry, the filling of his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Jesus himself. This is how Jesus can say, hey, I will be with you to the very end of the age. He has filled all of us, and he has filled us with the spirit of Jesus himself to accomplish his works. Guys, we started in Jerusalem, meaning in LCM. This is where all of this started. It's so awesome to consider that. 
But it's also amazing to be able to have vision to cast for the future, to see what God has done from this church, LCM, that is Jerusalem, and to see where it's already expanded, and also to see all the other places around the globe that God wants to expand this work, starting with Antioch's in different places and hubs in the earth. Guys, we're talking to you this morning about the Antioch of the Balkan bow, which is Cluj, Romania. Yeah. Do you get excited about the power of ministry? The power of the Spirit. As we, yeah, Pastor Eric is with me. Are you excited about the power of ministry? The Spirit of God moving amongst us. As we said, it's more than just entertainment and fanfare. We want to give you some practical examples from our own lives to help you engage with what the power of ministry looks like. And in order to do that, you're going to need to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 16. Say the power of ministry as you're turning there. The power of ministry. All right, we're going to pick up in verse 6, where it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. These men tried, and they were shut down in some places. But this is the normative experience for men who are operating in the power of the Spirit. Now, you may have thought that took an unexpected turn, but let us explain. You've heard us preach and teach. You've seen us travel to the Middle East, to Turkey. And we are operating in the power of ministry, stepping out in faith to do great things in the name of Jesus and take his gospel to every corner of the earth. And as we stepped out into it, It seems that the Lord has not allowed us to go. Why? What does that mean? Does it mean that we failed? Absolutely not. Because we are operating in the power of ministry. When you are operating in the power of ministry, you are being led by the Holy Spirit and completely submitted to his direction. If you're not connecting the pieces, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you by calling out some of your names. Like, I'm going to start with Mr. Ray Ludwigson over here. Ray, you don't have to be afraid about stepping out and failing because you're a man who walks in the power of ministry. You step out there and you begin to preach. You begin to go and put into action, and the Spirit of God is going to direct you. He'll say yes to this direction, and he'll say no to that one. That's the beauty of the power of ministry. Nick Rosales, don't be afraid about your next bold act for Jesus. If it's not exactly what you expected, the power of ministry says that the Spirit's going to direct you. What does that mean for Paul and his companions? They weren't allowed to go in some of these regions, but in the name of Jesus, they eventually got in and preached the gospel. And if that were not true, we have also personally been there and preached the gospel. The power of ministry led them to the next step. It showed them the end goal. And then, as they were being led by the Spirit, the Spirit of God showed them what the next step was. That is exactly what God did for us as we operated in the power of ministry. He showed us the end goal of the Middle East, showed us the end goal of all nations gathering in Jerusalem, 
and he said, don't go in right now. This is your next step. It is your Antioch where I'm going to let you set up a hub to launch the next generation into that vision. But he showed it to the fathers. So let's talk about some certainties for a moment. Paul and his companions, average Joes, right? Really relaxed Christians that aren't very serious. No, some of the greatest men that we've ever read about, that we are emulating in our lives, the way that they were led by the Spirit was by trying to enter a region that they knew will need the gospel. But the Spirit of God moved them to their next step. The certainty that we're going to talk about is that Bithynia was evangelized. That Bithynia was filled with converts. That Bithynia did have the light of the gospel. It just wasn't at that moment. We want to tell you with certainty that the gospel will reach Jerusalem. Amen. We want to tell you with certainty that the seven churches of Revelation that are in Turkey will be raised again. Amen. And in the divine sovereignty of God, we're experiencing the power of ministry. What it looks like, have him show you an end goal, but steer your steps and show you where you must go next. Along these lines of thought, Romania is an Antioch that will unlock the region of the Balkans. We are heading to the next step in reaching the ultimate goal of making it to Jerusalem. Amen. Now let's talk about your daily lives. As Pastor Peyton said earlier, there are many Antiochs. There's 30-some-odd Antiochs in the biblical world. However, Antiochs are not just something on a map. An Antioch is any daring act of faith that God moves you to, one that turns toward the outward world around you and says, we must expand what we've been given. In the same way that we saw men go from Jerusalem and reach out into Antioch and then spread into worldwide missions. So in this room, we want to tell you, you have Antioch missions in your workplace. You have things that God has called you to expand out in daring faith because the kingdom of God must expand here in your lives. Amen. You have Antioch missions in the grocery store or anywhere else that the spirit of God, the power of ministry leads you to be. You have Antioch missions with your brothers, those that are stretching out into new areas of ministry and need a helping hand, you to bring in your own daring faith. This is a house like Jerusalem that produces men who found Antioch everywhere that they go. And of course, there are Antioch missions in this room that are physical locations that families are called to and will reach. I'm looking at men and women around this room that are not only from 20 some odd nations, but will reach 40 some odd nations. The book of Acts is the record of the body of Christ carrying out the deeds and teachings of Jesus as empowered by his spirit to do so. What we want to join in with everyone is those that will have the priority of ministry, will participate in the power of ministry above all else, and no longer do any other dividing walls matter. Not your language, not your background, not your upbringing. If his ministry is your priority and your power, then you will succeed because he will carry you in to further works. Amen. Church, the fact of the matter is, is that we will and we want to join with anyone who wants to be commanded by the Spirit of God and who wants to move in the power of ministry. Raise your hand if you want to be commanded by God. You are filled with His power. 
and he is able to work powerfully through all of us. So before we meet another family together, because that's exciting, we get to meet our second family of the morning, we want to review where we are in this process. You learned about the priority of ministry. You learned about deeds before teachings always. And you learned about expanding his kingdom to all nations and the fact that it works anywhere in the world that the Spirit of God opens up a door for you. You learned about the power of ministry, the fact that he empowers us with his Spirit in us to fulfill his will, that he is with you to the end of the age to expand his kingdom, not to expand your kingdom, but to expand his kingdom, praise God. We want to show you guys our next couple, that This couple is special because they know what it means, what it looks like, how to operate in the power of ministry and in an ever-increasing way inside of their lives. Let's pull up our next slide. This is Adi and Ioana. This family experienced the power of his ministry as Abigail Stevens was preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and their son Thomas was filled. Man, that is an example for us. You submitting to the power of ministry, the spirit of God in you, not only affects you, but it begins to affect your children. They exemplify the depth of conviction that is necessary to operate in the power of conviction. They're no longer afraid about getting it wrong. They're stepping out in faith and knowing that the spirit of God is going to direct them at every turn. Their faith goes as far as not their own deeds, but they're even entrusting the power of the Spirit to move on their children and do for them just what they did, what he did for them. Come on. Do you believe that the Spirit of God will move on your children? Yes. Are you at the place where you want to give that fully over to the Spirit of God to direct them? Yes. Just as he's directed you. Come on now. I know in my own house, we are teaching and praying and exemplifying with our own lives and asking for that day that our, our kids are young. We're, we're praying for that day that the Spirit of God takes control of their life and directs their every action, every emotion, and every thought. Saints, there are a few things you should know about this couple. One, that they're amazing Christians and brilliantly intelligent. They know multiple languages. Our Romanian happens to be horrible at this point. In fact, we really struggle to communicate positive words without having the wrong inflections that radically change the meaning. One day you can ask Anka Barbu about our failed pronunciations. (laughs) However, despite the fact we cannot communicate directly with this couple, you can see something in their eyes. I mean, there are some people who have experienced the Holy Spirit and they're glad to have their merit badge. There are others that it's like a fire being stoked. That you can see something growing in their eyes as they interact with the word. Not only do they want more of it, they're getting more of the power of his ministry. This is the kind of couple that is insatiable for the spirit. And there is no extent to which they will not apply the word because the spirit of Jesus lives in them. Now when you are surrounded by men and women, like a group like this, that prioritize ministry. They understand the priority of ministry. Understand the power of ministry. By necessity, it brings you into the progress of ministry, which is our next slide. You guys see here, this is our third point. When men and women operate this way, the progress of ministry is a certainty. 
You guys are familiar in our Acts teachings with seven progress reports that we've shared with you. You guys remember that? The progress of ministry is always outward, and it is never inward and about selfish motives. The record that we see in Acts is that it is not just about building up one location, one church, or one ministry team. It is about the creation of other men and women who have the same ministry priority and the same ministry power. This Jerusalem is making progress in every area. Do you know why? It's not because the pastors speak well here. It's because there are men being raised up who can do what the pastors can do and even more. To that effect, we're going to take you to Acts chapter 2. But before we do, I want to let you know again, this is our Jerusalem. What God is forming in Cluj, Romania, will be an Antioch that unlocks the region of the Balkans. For time's sake, we're only going to look at three progress reports because you know all seven. But in Acts chapter 2, remember, this is a people who are starting in Jerusalem. Nick is going to pick up in verse 45. Okay, let's go. Acts 2, verse 45 together, where the progress began. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. What a glorious first progress report and one that we want to make a couple points about. Firstly, you can see here that this progress report did not just mention meeting in a church. So many people get trapped about meeting in the church, meeting in the church. Well, that leads to introspection and inversion in your thoughts and feelings and your sight. No, they met in their homes as well. They were focused on external work. They wanted to go outward into the community and knew that discipleship was a mixture of both of these places. Secondly, they devoted themselves not to sermons, which is a part of it, but they devoted themselves to the greater goal of discipleship. Discipleship in all of its forms because these men, the body of Christ in their first progress report, knew that it was about the deeds and teachings of Jesus and learning how to do that from the men that were there. Thirdly, this was a great example of the body building up the body. So many times it's so easy for congregations to say, oh, it's a sage on a stage. Oh, we got pastors up there. And it's an excuse not to grow into what God has called you to be in his kingdom. You know Ephesians 2.10, he's prepared good works for you to do. I think we might hit that in a little bit. But guys, you know that God will empower you if you are willing to stand up and go after it. That's what this first progress report is all about. What they built there, guess what? It reached as far as the United States. It reached as far as us, as far as the world as we know it right now. But our job is to take it from here and take it all the way back through the nations and back into Jerusalem. It's a beautiful thing when you stretch out and you end up back where you started. 
Let's take our second progress report, and we want to highlight Acts 9, verse 31 to you. Say progress of ministry as you're turning there. Progress of ministry. We're going to engage with this verse for just a little bit. It says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. The first thing we want to point out it is that it says the church throughout multiple regions. This is the truth we can never lose. It is multiple churches, like multiple Antiochs that have been set up, but they are part of one church, a singular church that is the church that spread out in many regions. Yes, when they set up the church in Antioch, they did not lose connection with the believers in Jerusalem. They didn't forget where they came from. They were an extension of what was birthed in Jerusalem and now is going out to the nations. When we get this right, we will never be content with playing in our own backyard and prospering ourselves. Let's continue engaging with this verse. In 31, it says they enjoyed a time of peace. What is the first thing mentioned? It was strengthened. Come on. And encouraged. By the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. The progress of ministry really has nothing to do with numbers. It has everything to do with the body being strengthened. It has everything to do with disciples remaining tethered to their origin point, i.e. Jerusalem, and stretching out for greater and greater works that is the Antioch God places them in. This produces a church that progressed Because it was outward focused. It produced multiple churches that were one church that were devoted to doing one thing. And that's kicking down the gates of hell. That's exactly what we are devoted to. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Yet we are made up of many Antiochs placed throughout the world. And we are going to stay unified in our vision and kicking down the gates of hell. I'm getting some nods from Cody back there. Cody's going to run right through the gates of hell. Like, let's, let's, let her run, Cody. <laughs> we want to say any believer who shares these priorities about kicking down the gates of hell, want to remain tethered to the original way, want to stay tethered to the church, those families we will join with and go to the ends of the earth. That's what we're, why we're sharing uh, pictures of our friends. We're not going to evangelize them. We want to go join with them because they love the same God that we love. They are in love with the same word that we love. They're being led by the same spirit that we are being led by. And God in his sovereignty has said, I'm putting you together because you will go on to do even greater works, bringing them back to Jerusalem. Yeah. So as we finish engaging with the progress of ministry, it's fitting that we go to Acts 28 in the conclusion of the book of Acts. I'm going to pick up reading in the 30th verse. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God 
and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Saints, in this room, we have been wrestling with the fact that in only 30 years, the church reached the end of the known world in their time. A 30-year time frame. Saints, we plan to make our next 30 years equally as productive. And saints, when we say we, we mean every one of us because we're all a part of the same priority of ministry, power of ministry, and progress of ministry. But I want to talk to you about something very special, something that should encourage your soul and at the same time challenges my own. I want to talk to you about a family and the progress of ministry that they have made in only three months. This next slide is Marius and Rana Russo. This family exemplifies the progress of ministry above any that I have ever met. This family is experiencing a revival that they described as a second born-again experience. Saints, I want to tell you what sparked that. These people who deeply love the Lord were introduced to what it looks like to engage in the Scripture. They were introduced to what it looks like to be a part of a brotherhood of equals. To have someone who has interest in their life beyond just serving by cleaning, but rise to become pillars in the house of God. In three months, they've gone from scripture-like messages that were a scripture or two for an hour of speaking to making connections that are law, prophets, and writings to reading John 10 and seeing the sheep gate in Nehemiah and giving a prophetic life-giving word to their friends from it in three months. Now, i got to tell you, my favorite part is this middle bullet. You really can't tell the way the picture is cropped. But Andrew Hayes... This guy's like six foot five and looks like a Romanian Viking. But I met a lot of big boys that were little boys on the inside. Some might even say a fatale, Marius. Things are rising in him that are a warrior spirit. And it is growing in him to the place where he is longing for the opportunity to challenge Islam to challenge every obstacle between him and Jerusalem, and he will do it by the grace of God because he will raise up other men as warriors. Now they have a son. He's little right now, but he has a prophetic name. His name is Aaron, and we're telling you he will rise to become a priest of the Most High God. Now remember, all of this has taken place in their lives in three months. Saints, if we take the next three months seriously, perhaps it'll set a pattern for us that we can bring the gospel to the edges of the earth in 30 years. We want to affirm these men, between us as one collective body in many places, we will bring the gospel to the edges of the earth in the next 30 years. We're going to move on to our fourth, which is the people of ministry. The people of ministry is number four. We are moving right along with you. Are you guys learning anything with us this morning? Guys, the people of ministry, as you know, it's so much more than just apostles. It's so much more than just deacons or any other word or title that you could give to somebody. The people of ministry includes the whole body of Christ. Come on. Guys, we know where this started in the book of Acts. It was with the 12 foundational apostles who began something that was always intended to expand into the lives of, hear us, every single member 
of the community. The people of ministry are the whole body. Let's read Ephesians 2.10. We mentioned it earlier. Let's read this passage because it includes every single soul in this room this morning. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Raise your hand if that us includes you. That's right. Every single hand in the room went up because we are the body of Christ. And that means that God has prepared works in advance for every person. Mr. Carlos, God prepared works in advance for your life. And I'm so excited that you are rising up to meet the challenge in your life. We're proud of you. There has been works prepared for every single one of us. And it would be easy to look back and say, oh man, I feel like I missed a couple of those. Guys, today is the day where we pick up our sword and we go to work. We pick up our tools and we say, I might have gotten it wrong in the past, but I will get it right starting right now and today together with the body. We're going to talk about a couple examples together. A couple examples of people who personify the ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth. Oh, we got to talk about Stephen. You guys want to go to Acts chapter 7? Is Acts chapter 7 picking up in 54? You guys are familiar with the story of Stephen. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This is Stephen, not one of the foundational 12 apostles, yet he is seeing heaven open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That's because he was treated like a son. It's because he was discipled well. And the 12 apostles put him in a position of waiting on tables, not as a subservient position, but so that he would learn through discipleship to become just like them and so much more. When I think of Stephen, I wonder what I, I, I run uh, in my brain. I kind of run through the scriptures of what it might have looked like. And I picture Stephen much like myself, just picking up glasses off the table after fellowship, picking up these glasses, putting them where they need to be to be washed. But in the back of his mind, he's picking up a glass and he's like, well, Lord, Help me raise up the glass of salvation before my brothers. And God fulfilled that promise. He got to stand for his faith and be stoned and not recant, not back up, let up, or shut up. That's because he was treated like a son and discipled well. He also, yes, and he had learned the priority of ministry. He had learned the power of ministry and the progress of ministry so that he could do the work of the people of ministry. Saints, there's a wonderful theme in the book of Acts that you'll see between Stephen and Philip. There are men who devoted themselves to service. Now, it wasn't to cut the grass of the apostles. It wasn't to clean their houses for them. It wasn't to make their lives easier. It was to serve the weakest members of the community that needed Help. As a result of that kind of service, of that kind of devotion to those God cares about, orphans and widows, these men experienced a new priority and power in ministry 
that caused them to do even greater things than the apostles. Saints, in the book of Acts, we see no resentment. We see no hierarchy. We actually see being the glory of the original leaders that others were raised up higher by putting them above themselves so that they could succeed. In Acts 8, we see Philip in verse 4. Those who've been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now, please notice Philip is the example here, but those who have been scattered is thousands upon thousands of the people of ministry. But Philip, by way of example, went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. Look, before we read verse 8, this servant in men's eyes, the one in God's eyes who cared for the weakest members of the body like a shepherd making sure that widows were cared for. Well, he was the people of ministry. Shrieks, evil spirits came out. Cripples were healed. Many were filled with this kind of power as he worked. That doesn't sound like a subordinate to me. It goes on and it says that the city was filled with great joy. This is what it looks like to be the people of ministry. When I look at Asad Robinson, I look at Adam Cora. I see two men who have different mezuzahs but are the same and that they train and organize men for warfare. I want to tell you, you are the people of ministry. That's not for decades from now. It's what you are right now. And it will only become more evident as you stand in that calling. In Acts 8 verse 26, Philip goes on. He's not done yet. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Notice here that there's not a chain of command that lists. And one of the great apostles had a vision or an angel appear to him. Philip has an angel appear to him because he is the people of ministry. Go south the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Saints, I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like Philip has the priority of ministry. He's doing what Jesus did, driving out evil spirits, healing and preaching. He is teaching what Jesus taught. And by God, he is moved by the power of ministry, being led where God wants him to go, and being embodied by the Spirit of Jesus himself. And man, it seems like he's making progress. In one chapter, he brought the gospel to Samaria, and the next to an ambassador who would bring it back to all of Ethiopia. Saints, we want to say you are the people of ministry. We stand here indebted to those who came before us because they put us above themselves when it was not deserving at all. But I can say by the grace of God, their grace in my life was not without effect. It drives me to an outward focus. We want to tell you in this house that you are rising as the people of ministry. The more that you learn to take your eyes off your inadequacy and look around and say, I was given a gift and I will share it. Yeah. You'll find that God builds little Antiochs everywhere that you go. Yeah. Now we're going to move to men's favorite example. I mean, two figures that are just praised as the highest of leaders. But Pastor Nick's going to help us examine how they started. Come on. We, we heard about Acts chapter 7 and Stephen. 
We heard about Acts chapter 8 and Philip. Turn to the next chapter, Acts chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 26 and examine the lives of two uh, pretty well-known men in the Bible. When they came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Ooh, we're about to find out who that is. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple, but Barnabas. Yeah. But Barnabas. Yeah. Hallelujah! He took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Let's look at Saul of Tarsus first for a moment. Guys, we know what a big figure in the New Testament Paul is. I mean, m for many outside of Jesus himself, it's their favorite character in the Newer Testament. Guys, do you know that he, he didn't start that way? <laughs> do you guys know that he was maybe the largest proponent against the kingdom of God, against the power of God, against the people of God. He was one of the biggest uh, proponents against these things. But God changed his life. God transformed him and helped him to grow up. Guys, a lot of times we focus on the end of a man's life. Man, that dude, he did so many great things in the last half of his life. But we forget he was just a man at the beginning. Or in Paul's sake, he was the greatest proponent against the kingdom and what God wanted to do. Now, on the other hand, look at Barnabas. Praise God that this passage says, but Barnabas. Yeah. Praise God that Barnabas saw the potential in a man and said, no, this man is the body of Messiah. This man absolutely is the people of ministry. And he stood up for that man and spoke life into him and brought him to his side when no one else could, when no one else was willing to do so. But Barnabas, even Barnabas did not start this way. In Acts chapter 4, all we know about him is that he's a Levite from Cyprus, from some faraway island that came and sold the field and brought the, the proceeds of that field to the disciples' feet. That's all we know about Barnabas. It's incredible that a man that started, in our minds, not very great, but you could see that he is the people of the kingdom because of the sacrifice that he made, you can see what that product was at the end of his life. Both of these men, Barnabas and Paul, they were raised up as the people of ministry. That is our point. Their process, the men around them, they looked at them and said, no, I know what the potential is inside of you, and I'm going to raise you up like an equal. I'm going to raise you up like the people of ministry that you are. And guess what? These men went further than the men that were before them. These men were not initially leaders that we think about. They were just members of the body of Christ. But they became the leaders that you know and you love. Amen. Stephen, Philip, Barnabas, Paul. These men became the actual hands and feet yes. of Jesus the Messiah. Amen. They were the people of ministry. As you're looking at three men from very different backgrounds on this stage this morning. 
You're looking at a son that was born naturally in this house. You're looking at two other sons that were not born naturally in this house. All three of us needed radical transformative moments from Jesus Christ along the way. But you know what we had the entire time? We had men looking over us, bringing us to their side, saying, son, you can do this. You are the person of ministry that I know that God has said that you are. Guys, look, God is going to do this. He's going to cast vision for his people all over the world. And he's going to use you as the people of ministry to cast that vision and to bring life right out of something that is dead. Yeah. Church, let's keep moving forward. Look at Acts 11, picking up in verse 19. Someone say, people of ministry. ministry. Says, now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however... Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. LCM was never based on a few men ministering while everyone else listened. The people of ministry, the pattern of the people of ministry is that Everyone is ministering, and everyone is listening. We've seen it exemplified here. That's why we are so confident that we are going to replicate the process in European Antioch, i.e. Romania. The pattern is always the same. If you have stepped into an Antioch to be the sole minister, the sole teacher, then you missed a beautiful, a beautiful facet of the people of ministry. It was always about raising those up to be peers and then take them further. I know in my time in discipleship, I had very few things that were put on my shoulders. I had things put in my hands, and then I was put on my pastor's shoulders. Are you following me on that? I was entrusted with worship. I was entrusted with teaching, but those were not burdens put on my shoulders. They were blessings placed in my hands and literally picked up by my pastors and saying, you can do this. We're going to show you how to use what we just put in your hand. And that's a comforting thing. That's what fathers do for their sons. You don't know how to use this yet, but it's yours. And I'm going to teach you. And here I am today, teaching with my brothers. We are all sons who have been put on our father's shoulders and taught how to use the things that were put in our hands. I'd say we're getting pretty dang good at using them. We're going to go on to another couple, but I have one more plug I want to share with you about leadership, about fathers. Godly leaders rejoice when the people progress into greater works of ministry. That should be the joy of leadership is watching the people progress. Many of us are students, so godly students, they always stay connected to the Jerusalem that sent them out prepared to replicate the pattern in Antioch. So if you are a father, or if you are raising up sons, your greatest joy will come in watching the people progress. Hallelujah. 
If you are a student, your greatest joy is to stay connected to the Jerusalem that prepared you and then replicate the process in your Antioch. Come on, church. It's the people of ministry. If you've thought about ministry as you leave LCM to go from the people of ministry to become a person of ministry, then you miss the beauty of the gospel. This was always meant to be a people group impacting other believers around the world, bringing them into a family and then raising them up to go even further. We have to break the cycle of individual replication. I am great, and I'll make someone else great like me, and they'll go and be great somewhere else and make someone. That is not how you build a family. Come on. That's how you build a bunch of stone pillars that do nothing for Jesus. But if you want to build an organism that is the body of Christ, moving and acting, doing the deeds, teaching what Jesus taught because they have the priority of ministry, if they are a living vessel to be filled with the Spirit of God, if they are progressing in their discipleship and focused outward to the people around them, well, then I would say we got a dang good start to seeing all nations brought back to Jerusalem to worship the King of Kings. Now, let's talk about a family who exemplifies this perfectly. This is Chipri and Diana. I pray that everyone gets to know them because they are absolutely exceptional believers of Jesus Christ. They are also incredibly loving. You see the spirit of Jesus in them when you sit with them. You hear the tenderness of a father whenever you speak with them. This family has the heart of Christ. They labor in ministry transparently and tirelessly, and we mean that. By the actual essence of the word, they are tireless. They are the first ones up. They are the last ones to sleep. They are the first ones to show up. They are the last ones to leave. They are very much like Abimbola and Justin. Tireless servants in the house of God who are there at the late night hours. They're at the early morning hours. They're always ready to serve and pour themselves out for someone else's benefit, even if it was to their own detriment. This is Chipri and Diana, just like it's Justin Linton and Abimbola, Daramola, and his other seven names. <laughs> we are confident of this, that they, are, will, they will go and make more of what they are. And what they are is Christ's, bodies on, Christ's body on earth. We want to say that ministry is never supposed to be a large crowd of people watching a couple men minister. Ministry is every member of the body of Christ participating in substantive, meaningful, and powerful deeds of Christ. Ministry is every member of the body of Christ participating in substantive, meaningful, and powerful deeds of Christ. Why is that? We don't give, ministry is not giving the things that you don't want to do. Ministry is giving the things that you cherish the most and saying, in the name of Jesus, you're going to succeed. Hey, let me tell you a little bit of a a story here. And Eric doesn't know I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. They went to Romania, and it was an amazing thing. Of course, I miss my brother, but the ministry here was exceptional because this body of believers is exceptional. Amen. But my pastor left to go preach the gospel, and what he left in my hands was the most precious things. What he left in our hands, Justin and Carlos, was his most precious things. He left foundations, and he left his wiener dog. (laughs) Didn't work out. (laughs) And I know that's funny, but what he didn't say is, hey, I need you to do these things I don't have time to get to. 
says, no, I'm giving you the most precious things because I trust you with it. Man, that causes the sun to want to rise to even greater heights. Oh, come on. The ministry at LCM and the ministry in Romania will be based on every member of the body of Christ becoming a minister in their own right and trusted with the precious things of the kingdom. While you're looking at this slide for a minute, I want to tell you that these two were born to be a ministry couple. That if you meet Chipri, you're going to know immediately. Yeah. This man is a pastor and one that just is waiting for someone to give him the ability to do it. Something supernatural about this couple, though. As much as I love Chipri, I love Diana even more. Yeah. Yeah. This is a brave pastor's wife in the making. Yeah. Saints, for numerous reasons, we're talking to you about the method of discipleship, and we're going to just take a minute to do it again. Who in this room has a child in the Moses stage? Yeah, the vast majority of this uh, congregation. Are they supposed to stay in Moses stage forever? No. No, what are they supposed to progress on into? Eventually reaching the kingship stage. Since we've got to expand our capacity and understand what it is to take disciples into kingship with Jesus. One level of discipleship is watch what I do. For a very brief time, I mean the shortest portion of a son's lifespan, should it be that way. Very quickly it should be, do this alongside me. Stand with me and do it alongside me. But can I tell you, that that is still coming up woefully short. The things that have built us, the sacrifices from men like Matthew Pirro, Wade Sutherland, and Eric Stevens, that are the reason I am the man that I am, is because they didn't stop with me doing it alongside them. They started to do what Barnabas did. They started to shove me forward in their spot with their word, with their teaching, and propel me beyond them. Saints, the people of ministry require that we do what has been done for us. And if you don't understand that, go read your Bible until you know how. Chipri and Diana are people who will pastor both in Romania and in foreign nations. Saints, with this in mind, we have spoken to you about the priority of ministry, which is the deeds and teachings of Jesus. By necessity, when we do this, it causes the expansion of the kingdom. We talk to you about the power of ministry which is the spirit of Jesus in you, empowering you, moving you, and leading you to his will. We've spoken to you about the progress of ministry, which is an outward-focused life and the expansion of the kingdom that is never self-centered, but always radiating outward with what you have received to give to others. We've spoken to you about the people of ministry, which in short is the whole body ministering with no elected champions to do it for us. When you do these things, there is a natural result, or should I say, an expected supernatural result. You reach the purpose of ministry. Guys, the purpose of ministry is to bring the gospel that began in Jerusalem back to its people in accordance with the will of Adonai. In the book of Acts, we went from Jerusalem to Rome in about how many years? 30 years. Guys, we can take the next 30 years and take the gospel from the Roman world and take it back to Jerusalem. God is enthroned there in Jerusalem, and the gospel began there. 
and it must come to its completion there. Let's go and read Acts 28 again. Acts 28, verse 28. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. What a fantastic end to a fantastic book. Guys, we want to make this very personal to us this morning. Over the course of several decades now, over the course of ministries being planted all around the world, and we're talking about in our day and time, we have never seen a barrier that our Father has not broken. And He's going to do it again. We've never seen a mountain that our Father has not helped us and equipped us and empowered us to master. Hallelujah. And we are going to see that again, church. We've never seen an obstacle that our Father has not helped us to obliterate. And we are going to see that again in Jesus' name. The gospel made it from Jerusalem to us. And now it's time for it to go from us all the way back to Jerusalem. Romania is a key, and Antioch is going to serve as a hub and a launching pad along the way. We're calling out to you this morning, church. Join us in the fight. Rise up to join us in this fight. We are going to see his will accomplished, and we're going to see his people victorious. Yeah. Church, we want to show you our fifth couple that has demonstrated what it looks like to abandon everything for the purpose of ministry. Amen. When we think about the purpose of ministry, how could we not think about Marius and Legia Popa? Yeah. Affectionately, the Popa purpose. <laughs> this family has dedicated their life to the expansion of the kingdom. Yeah. They fearlessly kicked down man-made barriers to display the gospel. And that sounds really nice to say. When you meet Marius, he's a man who's going to kick down the gates of hell. He has no regard for your feelings or making it sound better than it is. He just tells you what the truth is. That's because he's a good brother. He's a good brother who's able to see a calling, see vision, and say, that's something that's going back to Jerusalem with us. You need to hold on to that. This family employs their every talent, which is every talent known to man they possess. They, they employ every talent for the glory of God, and they accept no praise from men. There's no way to describe how talented they are. Marius is musically gifted on a level that most people will never have the privilege of setting in front of. The way he can play a guitar, he can play every instrument. The way he can play a guitar is beyond anything that I've ever seen in person or even heard of. Legia, one of the most beautiful singers, not just in her ability to sing, but the way that she worships the Lord. This family loves Jesus. They love the gospel. They love the people of ministry. And they love the purpose of ministry. And they devoted their whole life to it. They've laid down every worldly ambition and any benefit from the world and said, that's not what we want, even though they could have it. It would be very easy for them. But they've rejected that Amen. so that they could devote themselves to the kingdom of God. You know, Marius is the kind of man that 
If you were standing at the gates of hell, smoking and rattling, he would be the first to lean over and say, whatever comes through those gates, I'm with you. And you can take his word to the bank because he's a man who keeps his word as well. Saints, to restate our point, the purpose of ministry is to bring the gospel back to Jerusalem at whatever cost is required. Now, it, while you're interacting with what Peyton said about this couple, we've been enjoying a humorous concept for a little while. It is a wonderful thing when a young man who's struggling to maintain his job just declares in the name of Jesus, I don't want the praise of man. Well, I'm glad that he's saying that, but the truth is he wouldn't have the praise of man even if he wanted it. This couple is actually internationally renowned and could be doing anything that they wanted. But instead, they've purposefully removed themselves from the light to be a servant to the body of Christ when they could have the world. See, it's not talk alone. It's actual action. They've positioned themselves to be in the purpose of ministry and no other purpose will do. Saints, in our own lives, it is the same for every minister. If you want to see the purpose of ministry fulfilled, you have to remove everything else that is a side agenda in your life. Yeah, come on. Now, before we bring this to a close, we have a scripture that has often been problematic that we'd like to help you with today. It's problematic for people because they do not understand the larger plan of God. It's Matthew 10, 22 through 23. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, while you're reflecting on those verses, I'm going to tell you in advance that there's only two options when you're reading this. And we're going to start with option one. Option one is that the Son of Man returned in all of his glory, I mean, with the heavenly host. Oh, wow. And the resurrection of the dead occurred within the first century. Oh. Or, option two, we as a people must be going through the cities of Israel, spreading the kingdom of God at the time of his return. You see, in the gospel itself, before Jesus had died, before he had resurrected, he was telling his people that this must finish where it has started yeah. and that you will still be working in Jerusalem, Justin Treaster, upon my return. Hallelujah. See, we are planting ministries around the world. The next Antioch or daring step of faith in your life. Well, for us right now, that is the Balkan bow. It's Cluj, Romania as a key to unlocking it. But this will be accomplished by a people who are regularly engaging in daring acts of faith in every regard and understand the ultimate purpose of ministry. These five families that we showed you are the beginning and core of what will be accomplished in Cluj, Romania. They are pastors and elders in the making, whether they know it or not. The truth is, we're blessed beyond belief to see such thriving members of the body of Christ. This ministry has regularly founded works where we got off a plane and knew no one. No Christians existed. We didn't speak the language and there was no one to help us. What God is doing here is he is raising something up in Cluj that we are coming to join alongside as partners. Look, those of you who've traveled with us, who've been here for a while, Nolan and Hugh and I have been friends for a long time. 
There are very few things that we've engaged with where God began to raise up an army in advance of our arrival, but these men and women are soldiers of Jesus Christ. We'd like to review what we've learned in closing, and then we're going to have a special time together as the way that we conclude this. Amen. We've got our last slide for you in conclusion to this message this morning. You can see all five of those principles on the screen. Before we run through them one more time and have some personal application, I want to tell you that we have definitely seen, as the people of ministry, these aspects at work in your lives. What we want to do this morning is encourage you to give your heart and your soul to them more and more and more. We know what the result of you doing this is and what it will be. It will be that you accomplish the works of service that God created you for and you raise up and put on your shoulders the up-and-coming men that you have vision for and that you are helping to go do the same as you and go further. Number one was the priority of ministry. It's the body performing the deeds and the teachings of Jesus. Number two principle was the power of ministry. It's the spirit of Jesus empowering you to carry out his will on the earth. Number three was the progress of ministry. It's not the inward, but the outward focus. An outward expansion of the kingdom of God as you do it selflessly. Number four was the people of ministry. This is not a select few, church. It is every single member of the body ministering as Christ would. And finally, the purpose of ministry, the gospel for the whole world that begins and ends at the throne of God in Jerusalem. Were you blessed by what you heard today? What a timely word. We're going to close together as a family, and there's no reason to belabor such a straightforward message. I do want to tell you that it's much easier to hear a teaching than it is to do it. Transparently, before you. For 20 years, all I've wanted to do was set a stage and have other people stand on it. But I even find a struggle in my heart that is sinful because it's difficult to do. It's difficult to prophesy, see it resisted, kicked against, gnashed at, then watch God do a supernatural work, and it does come about, and not want to go, I had something to do with that. But that would be stealing glory from Jesus. And I want to take aim at this innate desire in us to steal glory from Jesus by wanting to draw distinctions between us. Can you imagine the church at Antioch saying, you don't want to be too much like Jerusalem? Can you even imagine that? But I've heard it in the one association. Can you imagine it said, you don't want to be too much like Peter? But I've heard that said in the one association. 
This is sinful. It's small. And it's done because of sinful insecurity. We should see the best in each other and admire it and emulate it. That's what we must do. While we're preaching about raising up disciples as equals, it's easy to say and then leave people a little less than equal. Barnabas sold his field and dedicated it to the ministry. He did not require Paul to cut his field for years to have the opportunity to do something. I could go to war, but I'm not going to. I have authority to build you up and not tear you down. Let us look at 2 Timothy, and let's read verses 5 through 8. I happen to be reading from the ESV, which I'm uncomfortable with. I don't like. I don't think it flows well. So for me, would you put it on the screen in the NIV? Totally dependent on you here. I don't have it. Or if you give me your NIV, oh my God, this is like going back to heaven. Except he's in First Timothy. Oh, okay. How do you hold that thing on a stand? You don't. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Now, when you hear do the work of an evangelist, you hear do the work of a ministry title. That is not what this is. It is the work of putting into practice these five elements of ministry. It's not a title. It's a method of carrying the gospel. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Let us keep moving. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. Before we get to that connector that says and, Paul had been being poured out as a drink offering in the lives of those he was around for his entire ministry. He didn't wait to become sacrificial at the end. He didn't wait to put others first at the end. He was already being poured out as a drink offering, and, somebody say and. The time for my departure is near. Before we go to the next verse, you cannot wait to pour out your life as a drink offering. How do we do that? You prioritize the deeds of Jesus. It's easy to mimic his words. His actions are an awful lot more difficult to do. It's putting every other person's needs before your own. If you can't do that with those that you are discipling, then let's be honest, you're not doing it with anyone. You pour out yourself in the priority of ministry, the deeds and teaching of Jesus. 
You pour out yourself in the power of ministry. This means that you do not operate in your intellect. You do not operate within your master plan. It is so easy to hear, oh, God has called us to go to the Balkans and then tried to manipulate every other person in this room right out of God's will so that you can feel like you have a plan to complete what God has told you. That is not operating in the power of ministry. The power of ministry is when I can trust that God will speak to Peter. And I don't need to try to manipulate Peter to do what I said. Do you actually trust in the power of ministry? Are you pouring out yourself to not need to put together your team, not need to put together your steps, but trust that the power of the Spirit will put together the details of your life? Oh, it's so easy to say. I personally struggle with this. When I see something, I think you should all see it. And if you don't see it, I try to help you see it. And if we're not careful, it will be me helping you see it rather than the Spirit of God helping you to see it. The problem with that is when you face certain death, you'll have to go back and go, well, I think it's true because my pastor told me it was true. In 30 years of ministry, I've never told somebody where they have to minister. Never. Because God doesn't work that way. He will speak to every individual and he will apportion them for the work that he prepared in advance for them to do. It's our job to prepare them. It has never been our job to assign them to their work. We pour ourselves out in the priority of ministry. We pour ourselves out in the power of ministry. This causes us to progress in ministry. Ministry progresses when we are selfless and outward focused. You know, what you put in a disciple's hand says a lot about what you think about that disciple. If you only put a toilet brush in the disciple's hand and you tell him, hey, you have to serve the least and this is how you do it, that's great for a few months. But what happens when 10 years goes by and all that has been put in his hands is a toilet brush? You've just said what you think about that disciple. He said, no, that's not in my heart. Friend, I don't care what's in your heart. I care what is coming out in your actions. Put what you value most in their hands. Trust that the same spirit that is in you is in them. And they will make ministry progress because his spirit will make it so. Pour yourself out for the people of ministry. Every pastor in the one association readily agrees. I want them to minister. I'm preparing them to minister until it means that you've lost a few minutes on the stage that you've come to love so much. If you will not stoop down to make others great by standing on your shoulders, then you need to step out of ministry. All of ministry is about the people of ministry, never about the person of ministry. Church, I'm speaking to the one association, but I'm speaking very much to you. This ministry was founded on several axioms. One of them is I will show you my faith by what I do. 
Today there were five people on the stage under 25, all saved less than seven years in our worship. It was extraordinary. Do you know why it was extraordinary? This church is based on the people of ministry, not the person of ministry. You show me a cult in the world that works that way. We pour ourselves out for the people of ministry. We pour ourselves out for the purpose of ministry. Our focus is not just Romania or just Jakarta, Indonesia, or just Arequipa, or Crystal Lake, or Denton. Our purpose is always there and beyond, all the way back to Jerusalem. The day that we start to get that wrong is the day that God will decrease his moving among us. All that you have, all that you possess, all that you know, all of the strength and vigor that you can muster is always for the outward expansion all the way back to the people that first gave us the gospel. Let's finish this. I have fought the good fight. It is an agonizing fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That does not mean that he simply stayed believing that Jesus is Lord. That he simply stayed believing that Jesus was raised after three days. Demons know that's true. Keeping the faith means that he trusted Adonai through the priority of ministry that Adonai set. Through the power of ministry that Adonai gives. Through the progress of ministry as Adonai would design it. They many times wanted to go to one place but trusted Adonai's progress wherever he directed them. It means that he kept the faith, and this is the hard one, in the people of ministry. Do you really think Paul was never slandered? Do you really think that Paul's friends never said things they should not have said about Paul? Do you really believe that Paul didn't do the same? And yet they trusted Adonai. They kept the faith in Adonai's sovereign working in the people of ministry, even when they were insulted by it. And he kept the purpose of ministry. We're told that Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles and Peter the apostle to the Jews. You show me when Paul stopped speaking to the people of Israel. It never occurred. In fact, the closing of the book of Acts is him still speaking with Jewish men. As you guys stand to your feet. How many of you would like to pour yourself out in the priority of ministry? How many of you would like to pour yourself out in the power of ministry? How many of you would like to pour yourself out for the progress of ministry? How many of you would like to pour yourself out for your fellow people of ministry? How many of you would like to pour yourselves out in God's purpose for ministry? If you want to pour yourselves out for those things, you might need to empty yourself of some things at this altar. I am not yet free from sinful pride. I am not yet free from a carnal, squealing, offense, offended, piggish nature inside of me.
I am not yet free from my own vain desire for glory. And all of those things war heavily against the five key principles of ministry. It's one thing to practice the teachings of Jesus. It's another to actually live in the deeds of Jesus. I want to submit to you that as much as we would like to have a pep rally ending, the most useful time that we could offer you is a chance to reflect on the manipulative areas of your life. A chance to reflect on the areas where all glory goes to the Lord as long as a little gets tithed in my direction. I see some of you shaking your heads, but you know good and well that it's in your heart. Where you want your disciples to shine as long as they acknowledge your role in their life. This kind of stuff has to die for us to go further. And I'll tell you a secret, when it does die, you'll never have to fight for recognition. The very thing that you didn't fight to retain, God will make sure that you get because he loves you and wants to encourage you. We're going to open the altars, and as you pour out things that don't belong, then we will transition. You'll make your whole body into a funnel for heaven to pour into you, and he will fill you with the power to accomplish these elements of ministry, and we are going to take it to the world. We already are taking it to the world, and we're doing it through the people of ministry. Father, we yield this time to you. We thank you, mighty God, that you have worked with a flawed and corrupted group, but you are making us holy. Lord, we pour out today what does not belong, that you might pour in all that should be there. We trust you to make us into your image. Lord, in our time of repentance, Use your spiritual scalpel upon us. Lord, we want to grow into the full stature of Messiah. Amen. Anybody in this room ever had a fever? What a difference a degree can make, right? 98.6 is what they say is normal. 99.6, not such a big deal. 100.6, mama's starting to get concerned. You hit 103.6, so starting to see things. 104.6, got to get to the hospital fast because you're about to die. 105.6, can that even happen? See, the higher the degree turns up, the more the flesh is in jeopardy. What you've just done is put your flesh in jeopardy. I want to read you 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The more that we press into actual biblical ministry, the more we begin to reflect the Lord 
degree by degree, but it also always causes you to cut a little deeper into the flesh, degree by degree. Every time you think you got it all, that squealer's hiding under a fourth rib somewhere back there. And if you get squeezed enough, you find out where it's at. But the hope that we all have is that not only can we be transformed degree by degree, but so are all the people of ministry around us. Church, you are reflecting the very glory of God, and so is the one association, which is why we're speaking to you the way we are. It's the image of God that's at stake. And you, you are the pillar and foundation of truth in the world. You are the church of the living God. Come on. That's your identity. Don't worry about who's shaping your identity. The word of God is shaping your identity. And you've been blessed enough to have the people of God around you with many examples to see how it's put into practice. That's a good thing. Join the hands of the people. No, let's not. Let's do it this way. I almost, I almost slipped, but then I remembered we're still in the house of God, Timo. This amazing young worship team full of beautiful people. See, Mandy's transitioning to old Keith down there. She's still young and beautiful. They're going to lead us in a triumphant song. And when that song is over, we will be dismissed. But we want to worship with all of our heart and not have an ending because the book of Acts didn't really end. Did y'all realize that? Okay, you hear the cheesy preacher thing? It's still ongoing today. Okay, forget about that. You know why it didn't end? Because he was in the wrong city. The gospel ends in Jerusalem. Amen. Let's worship.